0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cloud CloudCADA Season 2. In this season, I'm going to discuss DevOps-driven modern infrastructures. Over the years, I have been helping organizations who had very high security, scalability, and sustainability demand. This was done by creating secure and scalable infrastructures for software development and delivery, alongside enabling in-house DevOps capabilities for sustainable application lifecycle management. Join me as I share some of the success stories of how DevOps-driven modern infrastructures have helped these organizations achieve their dreams of digital transformation. You can listen to this entire series on www.cloudcata.com, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. So without any further delay, let's get started. Today's story is about a bank on cloud part one the tech side of the story so let us first look at the background or what was the requirement of this project so one uh, an indonesian based banking company wanted to build a fully digital mobile banking application that would help them to become a strong tech based bank embedded in indonesia's digital ecosystem they wanted StackSat, which is my uh, agency, to design and develop a modern infrastructure that was highly performant, technically advanced, cost optimized, and, very important, security compliant. The goal was to build a fully automated, secure, scalable, and sustainable cloud native infrastructure for this tech based, uh, life centric uh, banking and finance application. But in this journey, there were various uh, challenges. First up is the project timeline. So we had a project timeline of four to six months, meaning this entire digital banking system had to be live within six months of uh, when it first came to me. So. That means that the infrastructure had to be ready much more before that, because without the infrastructure, the application development, testing and delivery would not happen. So technically speaking, the timeline that I received for building the infrastructure was around four months and six months was left for the testing and other upgradations. So what were the challenges? There were various challenges uh, that I encountered that were were there right from day one. The first one is, it was in this project was in Q4 2019, and uh, major cloud providers, it was in the Q4 2019 and it was in Indonesia. And at that point of time, major cloud providers were yet to be launched within uh, Indonesia and since, it was uh, a banking and finance uh, application we had to host things within Indonesia. That was the requirement of or the regulatory requirement for any banking and financial services within Indonesia. So our only option was a newly launched cloud provider with limited managed services options. So there was one very recently launched cloud provider in that point of time, uh, which had very bare minimum uh, many services like there were only services for compute and storage, and there were still services missing for some critical requirement like DNS, API gateway, etc. And it lacked uh, some of, as I mentioned, some of the key components like private DNS, API gateway, relational databases, which is which is very important in terms of managing banking customers, uh, etc. That needed that was a, you know a compulsory need for this particular application. Uh, again, as mentioned earlier, Indonesia's financial services regulations uh, and the regulator OJK needed uh, to have data localization and residency within the country. So, your data, if it belongs to, the, to a banking and financial services application, cannot uh, be, uh, you know, uh, residing outside the borders of Indonesia, and not even a copy or a cached version of it. So, it had that kind of regulation. And there was no managed service available to host the core banking system, which was Mambu, uh, for this banking application. Uh, so there was no managed service uh, for Mambu uh, within Indonesia. And Mambu uh, is a SaaS application, if you're not aware. And it was only released within, I think the Southeast Asia region and Indonesia uh, region was yet to be launched. Uh, so this was one of the major challenges that we had to wait until a uh, couple of months before we could finally test it or go live, uh, we did get an assurance from the Mambo provider that this service will be live uh, for our Go Live. So our actual uh, you know user data would go uh, from Mambo, but we did not get any you know preliminary or or a development versions of Mambo within Indonesia to test it. So it was a major challenge. Uh, the cloud provider that was available at that point of time, the support provided by them was also l- limited to business level support, like a couple of hours or I think within a day if I remember correctly. It was not like a life support or an enterprise-grade support, which was very important, especially when you are b- building a critical service like banking and financial services. And since the cloud provider was newly launched, the integration with most infrastructure development tools uh was' they're still in the beta phase and causing us to you know uh, it was causing a major challenge for the test cases of their usability because uh some uh We had to develop everything within four months. So definitely we needed uh, automation infrastructure as code. But since it was a very new cloud provider in that region, its compatibility was not available, especially for the tool that we were using, uh, uh, which was Terraform. And I'm going to talk more about it uh, in the upcoming slide. So these were some of the very crucial challenges that we had right from day one. Uh, uh, keeping in mind that we had to launch this application in within six months, and the infrastructure itself had to be launched within four months, so these were some of the very specific challenges in regards to infrastructure that we were we had. So, how did we uh, overcome these challenges and actually met the deadline of four months to build this, you know, cloud native infrastructure for the banking solution? So there are various initiatives uh, that were taken, especially first up was regarding the infrastructure setup itself. So first thing first, uh, we made it uh, compulsory that everything had to be infrastructure as code and not just infrastructure as code. It had to be modular infrastructure as code, meaning every component or resource that we were developing, it was developed parameterized and uh, it was developed in such a way it was modular in such a way that it could be reused if uh, required for other solution because this was a banking um, uh, solution application that was being banking and financial services so it was obvious that many of the infrastructure would be uh, features would be reused in various uh, departments of the bank right uh, but uh, the overall standards will be the same. So modularity in infrastructures code was the key initiative that we took that we'll not just write some script we will write it in a modular way such that uh, let's for say we are writing a you know module for uh, compute uh, you know compute services or machines we would write it you in, in such a generic way so that it can be used for a project which was a, a banking service or a financial service or an operation service for the bank, but the underlying infrastructure would be standardized. So, modular infrastructure as code was one of the very important initiatives and primary initiatives that we took during the infrastructure setup. The second one was deployment pipeline as code. So, any deployment that would happen would happen through a continuous delivery pipeline through code. So that there was no manual execution of code from any machine or workstation or command line tool, which is prone to, uh, you know, uh, loss, human error, and also that lacks traceability and auditability. The deployment was done through pipelines, uh, continuous delivery pipeline, uh, and that was also the pipeline was also in the form of code. The third important uh, initiative or uh, measure that we took was configuration management. So as I mentioned earlier, this service provider was a newly launched one and it lacked managed services. Um, So we had to opt for self-managed software, for example, for monitoring tools, uh, we had to uh, purchase licenses or monitoring uh, tools and have to host it on uh, the compute uh, machines that this cloud provider gives. So we have to manage those monitoring tools ourselves. And for that reason, we used configuration management to set up these monitoring tools on the infrastructure as code for compute service so that everything can be managed inside code and it can be tra- you know tracked and audited because it was a banking application. So we needed to mention, you know, maintain this kind of auditability because that was one of the requirements for security, which, is, which I'm also going to mention along with others. Uh, The other, the fourth one that we had taken were automated machine and container imaging. So uh, to make it easier uh, for deployment, we had uh, automated the machine creation. So the base compute engine was standardized with a standard base, base machine image. Alongside the application that was deployed on those machines was containerized um, through a, a standard image again. So we use automation for creating the machine images as well as the container images so that the consistency remains across all environments, across all stages of development, testing and production. Then there were uh, other things like centralized secret management for application and infrastructure credentials. So, since we're using a lot of code and uh, we were using pipelines, continuous delivery pipelines, so there were a lot of credentials and infrastructure credentials as well as application credentials. So, we had used uh, centralized secret management so that everything is stored and managed inside a central location. So that it is not copied in, you know, uh, plain text in machines, or which might increase the risk of, uh, you know, compromise of these uh, machine images or, in, or even infrastructure. So next up are initiatives regarding security and compliance. So alongside the last two that I mentioned in infrastructure setup. Um, there was centralized administration with rule-based access control identity provider. So one of the very important initiatives that we had introduced was for, and this was particularly for security and compliance, because this was one of the need for banking application. And I'm sure it is a, it, it is a good practice for any other application, but it was a must-have, was centralized administration with rule-based access control. So we didn't have a generic or an anonymous login for everybody. There were rules defined like, admins uh, would be given permission to certain uh, level and developers would have certain level there will be read only there will be write and uh, it, it was controlled using a centralized identity provider so that all these Either user or a programmatic uh, access is controlled through a central location, so that tomorrow, if a user leaves that organization, it would be easy for us to offboard that user, and that there will be lesser risk of you know, it um, you know, compromise of passwords and credentials, etc. And it would be it was easier for also onboarding new users or giving access to users, you know, for operations or debugging, etc. And it was easy to onboard and offboard both so this was one of the key initiatives the, sec- the second one was secure and seamless connectivity across all systems and services and this was ensured by segregating the network with respect to incoming and outgoing traffic uh, and by putting a single security entry point for the uh, front end or the uh, or the traffic landing from internet. So this was a banking application. Uh, So basically it, it was a mobile app and users would be from all around the internet well they'll be within indonesia but they will be using internet to access this mobile application so the the first entry point that their request will land in was through a secure uh, uh gateway uh, which had all the security measures like waf rules oaf rules ddos protection um you know uh ssl certificates uh, and uh, dns uh, resolution etc and Internally, the network was segregated with respect to incoming and outgoing traffic. For example, the the public facing uh, entry points or the applications would be in one layer and then the dip, uh, which will be uh, having access from external uh, service, external requests landing in. However, the internal or private layer, which is like the database and data critical layer, they would have access to only from only the internal Uh, ip addresses and not directly from the internet and likewise outgoing access or the internet access was restricted to only 13 service layer which needed to integrate with some third parties whereas in data layer it was completely cordoned off for incoming and outgoing internet access so that way a lot of secure it, it was secure as well as it was seamless so the the policy applied here was whitelisting of traffic. So by default, everything was blocked and then the traffic was whitelisted from known or authorized source third uh, requirement was for seamless connectivity because if it was a banking application we cannot afford to give like a lagging request going in so we had to maintain seamless connectivity there were dedicated private links uh, for the peer to peer connectivity and data transmission to certain third party application like when you're setting a banking application, you uh, need a payment gateway and you need a user, the government user databases to access. So those were outside of our, um, you know, uh, accounts, right? These are maintained by other parties. So the connectivity to them was set up to direct uh, dedicated private links so that we not only get a seamless faster connectivity, but also a secure connectivity, because if we had used internet-based connect internet and VPNs, and sort of this one thing that we would not be able to guarantee the bandwidth and the latency plus there are were risk of man in the middle attack so in both cases uh, these challenges were resolved by using direct pipeline links for this peer-to-peer connectivity for data transmission and the tech stack uh, so these are some of the initiatives uh, which was taken so what was the that these are a couple of tech stack that we had used. As I mentioned earlier, for infrastructure, we use Terraform, and Terraform played the role of infrastructure as code orchestrator as well as deployer. So we did have configuration management um, systems, and uh, but Terraform was like um, the executor of anything. So anything that was written, even if it is a shell script, it would be wrapped up within the Terraform modules so that the ultimately the deployment happen using terraform apply and terraform plan etc the reason uh, for doing this was because terraform maintains state of your infrastructure in a very easy and robust way and it can be version controlled easily whereas other configuration management tools or even scripting tools uh, do not enforce stateful setup uh, within itself so uh, Terraform was much more easier because we had to maintain the state of the infrastructure because this is a banking infrastructure. It's not uh, you know, a plug-and-play infrastructure. It is going to stay. So we are just going to... We would be upgrading it, so we would still need to know what is the existing one and then what would go. And plus, the traceability also remains because since it's a bank, it is very important uh, Every yearly for the yearly audits where you show that this was the infrastructure and this was the upgrades, etc. And the second tool that we used was GitLab CI as the infra delivery pipeline, as I mentioned earlier. The deployment of disk terraform code uh, was through Continual delivery pipelines, and this was done using GitLab CI, and the pipeline as code was also written in GitLab CI YAML. Uh, for configuration management, we used Ansible, and this was for configuration management of the self-managed tools that I had mentioned earlier. For that uh, cloud provider, which did not give a lot of managed options. So, for those self managed tools, and there were a couple of security tools also, which are uh, licensed version, self managed version, the SaaS version is not available. So, Ansible was the tool which was used for the software installation and system configuration for those applications. And it was wrapped up within Terraform modules, and deployment happened using Terraform uh we use this tech, tech stack to achieve uh this the the initiatives that i had mentioned earlier so what were the outcome of all these initiatives and tech stack uh the first and very important outcome of that we got a highly available and completely cloud multi banking infrastructure. So it was probably the first bank within Indonesia that was completely hosted on the cloud, full uh, abiding all the security policies that the regulators and the financial services uh, you know system had asked for. and we passed those guidelines. So that was a very big achievement for us. The second was, uh, environment on demands to dry la- dry run the launch events such as DR drill, penetration testing, and in- in- performance testing. So, because of all these automation and code uh, practices, we were able to get environment on demands whenever we had to. So we had to go through a lot of testing and validation, especially like the DR drill. So we had to mimic a DR situation before we could get approval from the licensing uh licensee uh, who gets this bank approval, right? So we had to launch multiple environments, parallel environments to do these testing. So it would not have been possible having to had gone with the modular infrastructure of code model. Third was, uh, it was a performance based infrastructure. So that meaning any kind of scaling out and scaling down would be done uh, based on the performance, the, the need. It is, it was not, based on any assumption that, oh, uh, we need that, so just allocate it. So it was always a scaling out. So whenever the peak, it was assumed that, okay, if we have 15,000 customers uh, uh, onboarding, we would do performance testing for them on our environments, and we would get the numbers of how much of a CPU and memory you will need, and we would allocate it based on the incoming request. And that actually helped achieve an optimized FinOps so that, uh, there was no overspilling of the infrastructure budget, and also there were no underutilized resources that was left the uh, fourth uh, important outcome that we achieved was observability and traceability for every event occurring in the infrastructure because we followed everything as code infrastructure setup infrastructure delivery deployment monitoring everything was each and every uh, activity that would happen on the infrastructure happened through code. That's why um, everything was traced, version control, and, um, you know, there was observability in every layer. And this was an important aspect in getting the approvals from the regulators of this point. Otherwise, it would not have been possible to get a cloud-native backing infrastructure within four months that easily. And uh, the result was, as I mentioned, a cloud-native digital banking solution. So it was one of its kind set up in Indonesia, and I think it was first of its kind that uh, this particular uh, mobile application of this bank was completely hosted on cloud, and there was no on-premise, uh, you know, uh, server or uh, server room that had to be maintained. So this was the result that we got, uh, which was a cloud-native digital banking solution. I hope uh, you have, uh, you know, I, it was helpful this episode. If you want to learn more about a uh, similar episode, you can uh, listen uh, to my podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast on www.cloudkata.com or you can subscribe to the LinkedIn news newsletter, which is the 10 factorinfrastructurecom And if you want to get your hands dirty with a similar infrastructure model, you can download a modern infrastructure framework called the 10-Factor Infrastructure from 10factorinfrastructure.com. There is a free ebook available there, so you can download it, and you can try it out yourself. The next uh, part two of this uh, episode of Bank on Cloud will be uh, live in the next episode. So do uh, join me on the next episode where I discuss uh, the different a different part of the story which is the people angle of the stories because in this episode i have covered what is the tech side of this story in that episode i'm going to cover what is the people side because that's also a very interesting part of this story so i hope uh, you like this episode a bank on cloud and i'll be back uh with another new episode uh, in in a few uh, days time and please thank you for joining cloud cata season two DevOps given modern infrastructure. You can listen to the podcast on www.cloudcutter.com. Please do subscribe to it on cloudcutter.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google podcast and YouTube. Thank you.